Chapter 5. Why the Young Need Conversion I want to say something to you who are unconverted. Our great concern is for you to know the Lord at once, and our reason is that it will prepare you for the world to come. Whatever that world may be, and no matter how full of vast mysteries it is, no one is as prepared to launch upon the unknown sea as the one who is reconciled to God, who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, who trusts Him and rejoices in the pardon of His sin through the great atoning sacrifice, and who experiences in his own heart the marvelous change that has made him a new creature in Christ Jesus. I think that is a very good reason for seeking the Lord, that you may be prepared for eternity. I saw an elderly friend who was eighty-six years old and on the decline. She said, I have no fear, I have no fear of death. I am on the rock, I am on the rock Christ Jesus. I know whom I have believed, and I know where I am going. It was delightful to hear the elderly saint speak like that, and we are always hearing such talk from our dear friends when they are going home. They never seem to have any doubts. I have known some who had many doubts while they were well, but when they came to die they seemed to have none at all, but were joyously confident in Christ. There is another reason why we want our friends converted and that is so that they may be prepared for this life. I don't know what kind of life you have set before yourself. Perhaps some young men hope to have lives consecrated to learning, and crowned with honor. Possibly some have no prospect except that of working hard to earn their bread by the sweat of their brow. Some have begun to lay bricks, or build houses, or work in a warehouse. There are all sorts of ways of mortal life but there is no better provision and preparation for any kind of life on earth than to know the Lord and to have a new heart and a right spirit. He who rules millions of men will do it better with the grace of God in his heart. He who is a servant would be happier in his situation if he had the grace of God in his heart. You who are young, you who are employers, and you who are employees, true Christianity cannot disqualify you from playing your part here in the great drama of life, but the best preparation for that part, if it is a part that should be played, is to know the Lord and to feel the power of divine grace upon your soul. Let me just show you how this is the case. The man who lives before God, who calls God his Father, and feels the Spirit of God working a hatred of sin and a love of righteousness within him, is the man who will be conscientious in carrying out his duties. That is the kind of man, and the kind of woman too, whom we need nowadays. We have so many people who need to be looked after. If you give them anything to do, they will do it quickly enough if you stand and look on, but the moment you turn your back they will do it as carelessly or as slowly and as badly as can be. They are the kind of workers who only do their jobs well when they are being watched. A truly Christian man, a man who is really converted, sees that he serves God in doing his duty to his fellow men. Thou God seest me, Genesis 16.13, is the power that always influences him. He desires to be conscientious in the discharge of his duties, no matter what those duties may be. I once told the story of the servant girl who said that she hoped she was converted. Her minister asked her, What evidence can you give of your conversion? Among many other reasons, she gave this good one. Now, sir, she said, 
I always sweep under the mats. It was a small matter, but that principle of sweeping under the mats is the kind of thing we need to carry out in daily life. Many people have a little corner where they pile up all the fluff and the dust, and the room looks as if it was nicely swept, but it is not. There is a way of doing everything so that nothing is really done, but that's not the case where there is grace in the heart. Grace in the heart makes a person feel that he wants to live wholly for God, and he serves God in serving man. If you get that grace, you will have great preparation for life as well as for death. A man who has a new heart has received a purity that preserves him in the midst of temptation. Oh, this dreadful city of London! I am amazed that God endures the filth of it. I frequently converse with good young men who come up from the country to their first job in London, and the first week they live in London is a revelation to them that makes their hair almost stand on end. They see things they never dreamed of. Well now, you young fellows who have just come to London, give yourselves to the Lord at once, I urge you. Yield yourselves to Jesus Christ, for another week in London may be your damnation. Only a week in London may have led you into acts of impurity that will ruin you forever. Before you have gone into those things, devote yourselves to God and to His Christ, so that with pure hearts and right spirits you may be preserved from the pestilence that walketh in darkness, and the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Psalm 91, 6 in this terribly wicked city. There is no hope for you young men and young women in this great world of wickedness unless your hearts are right toward God. If you give yourselves completely to follow the Lamb wherever He goes, He will keep and preserve you even to the end. But if you don't give yourselves to the Lord, no matter what good resolutions you may have formed, you are doomed, I am sure you are, to be carried away with the rivers of iniquity that run down our streets today. Therefore, purity of heart, which comes from faith in Christ, is an excellent preparation for life. So also is truthfulness of speech. What a wretched thing it is when people tell lies! The heart that is purified by the grace of God hates the thought of a lie. The man changed by God speaks the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and he is the man who will pass through life unscathed, will be honored, and will be successful in the long run. He may have to suffer for a time through his truthfulness, but in the end nothing will clear away for him so well as being true in thought and word and deed. If you love the Lord with all your heart, you will also learn honesty in business and in all of your dealings with others, and that is a great help in life. I know that a dishonest person sometimes seems to succeed for a time, but what is his success? It is a success that is only another name for ruin. If all people could be made honest, how much more happiness there would be in the world! The way to be upright among men is to be sincere toward God and to have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. True Christianity is also of great value because it comforts a man under great troubles. You don't expect many troubles, my young friend, but you will have them. You expect that you will be married, and then your troubles will be over. Some say that they begin then. I do not endorse that statement, but I am sure that they are not over, 
for there is another set of trials that begin then. Maybe you think that after you complete your apprenticeship it will be all right. Will it? Journeymen do not always find it so. Maybe you don't intend to always be a journeyman, but you want to own your own business. Ask the business owners whether everything is pleasant with them in these times. If you want to escape trouble completely, you had better go up in a hot air balloon, and then I am sure that you would be in trouble for fear of going up too high or coming down too fast. Troubles will come, and what is there that can preserve a man in the midst of trouble like feeling that things are safe in his father's hands? If you can say, I am his child, and all things are working together for my good, I have committed myself entirely into the hands of him who cannot err and who will never do me an unkindness, then you have on a breastplate that the darts of care cannot pierce. You are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Ephesians 6, 11-17, and you may tread on the briars of the wilderness with an unwounded foot. True Christianity will also build firmness of character in you. That is another quality that I want to see in our young people today. We have some splendid men and some splendid women too. Even if the devil himself were to preach to them, I would not be afraid that he would cause them to turn from the faith. If all the new heresies that can rise were to be proclaimed in their presence, they know too well what the truth is to ever be led astray. On the other hand, we have a number of people who are led by their ears. If I pull their ear one way, they follow me. If they happen to go somewhere else and somebody pulls their ear the other way, they follow him. There are lots of people who never do their own thinking, but let other people do it for them, just as some people have others do their laundry and never think of doing it at home. These people are just like the chaff on the threshing floor. When the wind begins to blow, away they go. Don't be like that. Dear young sons and daughters of church members, know the Lord. May He reveal Himself to you at once, and when you do know Him and get an understanding of the gospel, bind it to your heart, tie it around your neck, Proverbs 6, 21, and say, Yes, I am going to follow in the footsteps of those I love, and especially in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through floods and flames, if Jesus lead, I'll follow where he goes. Footnote These lines are from a hymn by John Ryland, 1753 to 1825, that begins with, In all my Lord's appointed ways. May God help you to do it. First believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust yourselves completely to him, and he will give you grace to stand fast, even to the end.